The episode that you're about to hear was recorded on October 5th, early in the morning. N not just two hours after we were done recording, uh... It was Comic-Con, so they dropped trailers for Picard and Season 3 of Discovery because of weird dumbasses who forget when comic events happen. Jackson, you're here with me. I'm here with you. And we watched Star Trek trailers that are not covered in the episode you're about to hear. But we do talk about our thoughts on the shows that have been proven wrong already. Um, do, do we... I say that maybe Discovery, it's a fake out. They're not actually going into the future. Oh, yeah, no, that's, I, I said you were wrong then. I didn't even think that that was a real thing, and it wasn't. So Discovery trailer. There's a teaser for season three. Definitely takes place 930 years in the future. They have said <laughs> as much. <laughs> yes, it does. Uh, the Federation's still there, but, like, the Federation flag has six stars on it instead of, like, a bunch, because the Federation sucks now. <laughs> Uh, it sure does. Everyone was like, wait, we don't need them. And hooray. Uh, I hope that's at least what happened. If there's a like tragic story about the downfall of the Federation, I'm not really interested. I'm much more interested in everyone realizing the Federation is done and moving on. Well, unfortunately, they sp spread chlorophyll producing plants to all of the planets in the galaxy. And all it would take was a single disease that wiped out chlorophyll plants to bring the Federation to its knees. <laughs> oh, that's true. That's true. Uh and Picard doesn't realize that the Federation is doomed, but Kirk understands that it's okay for some things to have their time. Yep. <laughs> some things other than James T. Kirk. <laughs> who can absolutely be working with this fight. <laughs> You're right. You're right. Yes, because it is in the book after the, the third book written after Kirk's death, second after he's been resurrected by the Borg, never to die, James T. Kirk. But the Federation can die all it fucking wants. <laughs> What do you think of Discovery trailer? They uh, gave Burnham, uh, they gave Burnham some like cute long hair. I liked uh, Burnham's hair. Burnham's hair isn't really good. I remember there being like initial discourse because she had like straight hair in the first trailer, mm -hmm. uh, but then that was like used well uh, mm -hmm. uh, with her Vulcan stuff. Um, so, yeah, I like that. Uh, I find it very funny that apparently uh, all planets are the same quarry now because <laughs> the the. Um, a discovery budget has been slashed to a tenth of its size. They've, they've already used that same quarry at least twice. So, <laughs> yeah, because it was it was the Andorian camp in the first season, and the planet she went to with Spock. Well, not the not the planet that was fucking what's it called? The one from the first episode of Star Trek ever. It's the one where she found the thing. Yeah, it's also where Saru did his weird running along the ridge CG in season one when That's he was mind separate controlled planets. by the forest. Yes. <laughs> Uh, and it's back in this trailer, and it's 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 that quarry, uh, a few locations, small rooms, and the Discovery standing sets that already exist. Yeah, exactly what I want, honestly. So maybe by them not having all the money on Earth thrown at the show, they can have some characters do some talking, and some Star Trek plots can happen finally. Yes, but now, but now the phases are gauntlets. <laughs> yes. Uh, I thought the trailer was fine. It didn't really give anything away other than it's 900 uh, years in the future. Um, and there's a single room that is technically the Federation now. And yeah. a, a guy who I just took on face value as being a guy, but you're like, that's clearly a hologram. He right? he like, well, my thing was, I assume the Federation had fallen and this is like a weird, like, uh, like archive. But apparently the Federation still exists in this time and the thing's going to be about that. So. Okay, so 
man, okay, sure. The Federation existing in the... Everyone, man, if Discovery showed back up into, like, a really interesting future where things of, like, organic development, like, we have to bring back the Federation, uh, that could be good. So long or as it people could be understand. terrible. Yeah, or it could be terrible <laughs> if it's, like, actually portrayed as the most noble thing you could do. Is bring back the God, yes. Um, but, yeah, it's interesting. Uh, you said when you were actually, I guess, still like this cast. Yeah. Uh, even after the f- that last series that ruined my soul. Yeah, they got rid of most people I don't like, so... Yeah, no, there's, um... Leland's no more, gone. No more Leland. Um, Ash Tyler's gone. He's on the ship, isn't he? No, I thought he stayed behind. No more Ash? Yeah. I guess that's fine, given... Remember the, remember when we were like, oh, this is clearly going to be the Ash plot in season two, and it wasn't? Yeah. <laughs> what a... Right, because Ash was Ash is a section thirty one now, so he'll be on the section yeah. thirty one show yeah. a few years later. I mean, Michelle Yeoh is supposedly going to be the section thirty one show. She's in the future right now. Yeah, but you know, we, we I was saying that um, that's weird because that must mean that they all get back in the end somehow. But uh, I think that it might be more true that she'll just get bored of this future bullshit and just travel around the sun a few times and come back. Because that's no. actually all it takes in Star Trek. It's not difficult to travel through time. Anyway, not much in that trailer. The actual trailer that matters is the Picard trailer, which uh, is a, is a fucking mess. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a so it's a bad trailer, except for the occasional moments where you see how special this could be. <laughs> uh, you mean when Jonathan Frakes is there? <laughs> I mean when Jonathan Frakes is on screen, and you're like, it's fucking Riker. The world's biggest man. Yeah, he's just—he's just a big dad who just wants to like cook dinner and chill out, and is warm and good. Uh, Patrick Stewart's definitely playing his like tragic old man too hard for me. Um, yes. And Data is a CG nightmare. They should have made his face more CG than they did, because all they did is erase the wrinkles, but didn't change the part where his face structure is now thirty years more evolved than where, where it was. So he doesn't look like Data anymore. Yeah, I I would have made it more CG. And like, if everyone could just live with the unrealism of it's basically a CG face and it's not animated very well because it's a cheap TV show, uh, that'd be fine. I think it's better than just having old uh, Brent Spiner very obviously be old Brent Spiner. Yeah, by de-wrinkling him, you just make him look more like a bloated corpse. So, uh, and then there's a bunch of stuff about like the Romulan who has a sword and all this like black ops battle shit seven of nine fires dual assault rifles into a, a cool action scene and i'm like i don't want any of this picard has to say like spell out his name to the guy at the desk even though the guy at the desk clearly knows who it is just to show that picard ain't shit anymore i'm like man this is not the writing i was looking for at all um, he goes into the like admiral's office through a very evil corridor <laughs> yep. uh and is like, we must stop whatever the... Like, there's clearly a plot going on. He's like, we, we're not... This isn't who we are anymore. And the Admiral's like, this isn't your house, John Luke. Yeah. Uh, so and then the, the flashes of the shit. plot imply that either it's... uh, it, Either there's, like, Borg stuff. Well, there's definitely some immigration stuff. They've said as much. They make it sound like it's about Romulus. But there's too much Borg shit. And then there's a shot that looks like they're Soong-type androids, but they have barcodes on their forehead. So... Are the Federation just taking Borg and turning them into androids or some shit as, like, a labor force? Is it just going to be that? I mean, the one thing is clear. It's 
Patrick Stewart is going to take down the Federation's ice, and this is not who we are, right? Like, whether it's Borg ice or seeing Android ice or Romulan ice or whatever, that's what's going to happen, and we're all going to just have to sit here and watch it. (laughs) Uh, Star Trek is written by liberals. Always has been. Unfortunately, uh, the lack of vision is apparent. (laughs) Uh, It's a real shame because like there's times when that like ends up being fine right and you're like yeah, yeah it's written by tv writers but the hearts the but right this is clearly them trying to like tackle the subjects of the day which is just every alarm bell possible going off right. the second it stops being like because people i feel are much better at um i mean in sci-fi in general right is much better at morally examining the structures free from the baggage of the real ones that we're like inside and have been told how to think about yes um because you know it's once it becomes like a direct metaphor for america and this is not who we are and but america was already great stuff it's like no you can't you can't do this you can't do this oh i'm gonna die but if it was just a sad show about getting old i think it would be fine yep Anyway, the actual mistake they made was putting Patrick Stewart in the TNG uniform in the dream that opens the trailer because <laughs> everyone was like, oh, he looks great. He looks like just like he did. And then you see him in that. You're like, no, he is a shriveled ghost of himself from the 80s. It's a bit of, it's, it was the 80s. It was a long time ago now. There's always been like a joke that Patrick Stewart doesn't age, but he does. He does. He, he looks he, old. He very visibly ages between the show and Nemesis. Like, it's he doesn't not age. Yep. He ages at uh, the same rate as everyone else. I, I've never understood that meme. Like, he's bald, yeah. so he doesn't lose his hair or go yeah. gray or anything, but, uh, but he still ages. He, he looks old, because he is old. Him and Frank's both old. Marina Sirtis is old. She looks great. <laughs> she looks fantastic. Man, this should be the Riker show. Because Marina Sirtis definitely looks like she, like, stepped two years off of Nemesis and not, like, ten. <laughs> Yep. 15? I don't know how long it's been since Nemesis. It's a long time. Uh, it's been 18 years since Nemesis. Oh my god. Or okay. seven. It might be seven. I think it was 2002 to 17. But Okay. You know. <laughs> getting on 20 years to Nemesis. Uh, a, a child, a person born when Nemesis came out is an adult. <laughs> I hate you! <laughs> That's not allowed. You don't have to say that. Well, it's true. Well, anyway, we have an entire episode after this, so we should probably wrap this up. Oh, Thanks, right. everybody. We don't actually have to stretch for time yeah. or anything. We're done. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, after this is the rest of the episode, as envisioned. When we talk about the shows that are upcoming, you can just laugh knowing that we were owned by history. Um, yeah. Sorry that the episode is just uh, ranting about Into Darkness. It's what everyone wanted, and we gave it to you. So It's your fault, not ours. <laughs> everyone still looks uncomfortable. Perhaps they all remember that old saying, power corrupts. And welcome to Second Officer Slog, episode 53. I'm your host, M, and with me is my number one, Jackson. It's been a long road. <laughs> it has been a long road. It, it was April road. when we last recorded one of these. I, I, you know, it feels like so much longer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Um, 
time happened. Time We're moving happened. back and forth through time. We're <laughs> moving back and forth through time. We cut on. Oh, no, we don't need to begin our Into Darkness episode invoking one of the most like beautiful things we've seen. <laughs> I'm just saying, it's Star Trek time, and we're here with your favorite Star Trek references. <laughs> All good things. All good things. All good things. If you have a choice to, not that anyone would ever have this Bioware left trigger, right trigger choice, uh, but if you have the choice to watching All Good Things and Star Trek Into Darkness, please choose All Good Things. Yeah, um, it's been it's been obviously quite a while since we talked about Star Trek on this podcast. Uh, put on hiatus after Discovery. Uh, that hiatus is not ending. This is a, just a bonus episode. Yep. <laughs> Uh, in the in the intervening months, there's been a Picard trailer. How do you feel about Picard, Jackson? Not great. Uh, I would I would say that I am excited to see the actors I like remind me why I shouldn't be excited to see the actors I like. <laughs> yeah. Um. My my main Star weirdly uh, along the, that exact line. My main Star Trek Picard uh, position is that the uh, entire thing is um, completely worthless if they don't have Sailor in it. Mm, I feel that way, but about Beverly Crusher, so uh, Crusher as well. But uh, Denise Crosby is more on the like pay her lines of give her a role in the Star Trek thing, please. Uh, yeah, Crusher is much more like why do you make a Picard thing if Crusher's not in it? Yeah, I, I don't know. We'll find out. Uh, we'll probably have some podcasts about that. Who can say? Almost certainly. We're not going to commit to any plans, but we are going to watch it because of course we are. And we are going to talk about it because of course we are. Uh, but we won't, com- won't at least now commit to like doing weekly ones. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see how we uh, that happened. Gosh, what else happened? Uh, Discovery Season 3 is going forward. It's, you know, 800 years in the future. It sounds like it could be terrible, but it definitely won't be full of lore. So who can say? I, I wonder if it will actually be 800 years in the future. Really? Do you think it wouldn't be? I don't know. What if it's a fake out? No. They've... I feel like they've taken such great pains to remove themselves from canon just so they could have a show that's just like, here's some new adventures, none of this matters, that if they went back into the lore now, it would just be, the whole thing would have been a fool's errand. I mean, but they have to, Michelle Yeoh has to get back to Section 31. This is known. So some yeah, bullshit has could, to happen. Anything could do that. The, the ways in which you can go back in time in Star Trek, a number in the hundreds. I guess she personally could just get sick of all this bullshit and goes back to fascism land. <laughs> yeah, all she needs is to get a warp drive and go around a sun, and then she's back. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> I guess it really is that easy. <laughs> yes. Uh, it's weird it doesn't happen more considering how easy it is. You know, yeah, going back in time is trivial. Uh, it's going forward that's supposedly a little... I don't... I, I, you know what? Actually, going forward is easy, too. All you've got to do is go to, like, right before you go to warp, and then just wait a, wit, a bit, and <laughs> dilation takes care of everything. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh... Ridiculous. Time travel in Star Trek's already broken. They don't need temporal uh, prime directive cops. <laughs> that's true. Daniels has his work cut out for him. Uh, I, I was so- thinking about the ones in DS9, but yeah, that too. Daniels also. The thing they are going past Daniels in this, if it's 800 years later, they are that because that was just uh, the the first, you know, 3,000, I think, is when... Uh, I hope Enterprise they have better was. fashion than Daniels then. Uh, if so- if someone walks into the set of um, the Star Trek Discovery wearing that, uh, the, the, show's sa- the show's wear. fucking saved. I'm sorry. <laughs> the show is saved. I'm sorry <laughs> I complained. Please. <laughs> um... 
Yeah, uh, Lower trip. Decks is happening. That that's that's got like some characters. Uh, All right. st- hoping that's good. Yeah, I I hope so too. That, that show looks good. The person writing it seems fine. Like they wrote, they were the person who wrote that um murder uh, short track, right? Yep. Uh, which had good sensibilities and seemed fine. Um, I look at all the character designs and go, "This is terrible. Why does everything look like this?" But it, that is all all cartoons, and it's not, but by far not the worst looking one of these. Uh, yep. But that is how apparently all non kids Western cartoons have to look now. Yep. Um, other than that, nothing, I guess. No news about Star Trek Four. It's not happening. It's I mean, the, the deal's happen. been made. There, there's like, there's the the business part of the like companies is taken care of, so they could do it if they wanted to. I, I, I think the only scripted development at this point is the Tarantino one. Like, I know Simon Pegg and the like Beyond writer were all doing another one, but then that kind of I, there was some story about how that one was like already shut down. Um, so I think everyone's hoping the Tarantino one works out, but I don't know. But who even knows yeah. if that's actually Star Trek Four? That could be anything. They'd let him do anything. Yep. Yeah. Uh, have you read a Star Trek book in the intervening six months <laughs> since we've done this, Jackson? No, of course <laughs> not. Neither have I. Uh, one of the books, just as if to like drive the knife home that we made the right choice. One of the books that was announced, like Discovery book, takes place in the inner, like the slim period between Saru's people show up at the end of the show, but before Spock shaves his beard. <laughs> Uh, what? just like the like most recent book uh was there's like there's like a very slim time because Spock's on the cover with a beard but it's like end of discovery season 2 stuff uh so it's but it's so. after the discovery leaves it's set in it, I don't know I don't actually remember that must be Spock before the end the final scenes of the season then I don't I don't remember. I this was a joke. You got you made me fact check and or asked me to fact check and I'm not going to. So Okay. I mean, this is dumb. <laughs> yes. Now I'm going to look it up just cuz you said something. Thank so you. Well, I'll vamp. The, the books the books seem to be in a weird place now that TV is happening again. Everyone like on the TV uh, every, <laughs> There were some hilarious like reactions to the Picard trailer like, "Oh, I hope we'll see you know X and Y thing, but I, I, I won't say because only people here are following along. Uh, there's a couple of plot points we know. Uh, you know way more than me. Um, but there is one in the book <laughs> that is just obviously did not happen in the TV universe, and every, and some people are holding out hope. <laughs> yep, that is true. So I assume they just go back to doing tie-in books now, and they're not very good until this all dies down again and then they do a, another jump forward and then that's the new book time uh probably right you almost have to uh, that'd be my assumption you yeah. know i almost got this <laughs> this, is, this is a very it's very long <laughs> you asked me to look it up um, what's the title of the book dead endless it's a stamets book Dead Endless. Yes. Okay, well, I found it. But I'm trying... There was a specific thing about, like, when it takes place that's, like, really specific, but I do not remember what that is. You're right. This blurb gives nothing away. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I see how this has happened. Yeah. But it's a stamp- There's something from when it was announced that it's, like, it's like near the end of season two of Discovery for no I reason. I thought it was in the between season one and two. I don't... I, because I thought it was like with the spore stuff. All right, we have to stop this. But I thought I th- my that's in my brain for some reason. Okay. 
You know what? Doesn't matter. We're not going to fucking read it. <laughs> yeah, sorry everyone. I know people enjoyed our book reading. You know? We've got one book we want to read. I mean, I have more than that, but yeah. there's one book we definitely will read at some point. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but I guess it's time to do the thing we're here to do. Yeah. We Star not, Trek. We have not read any... We Last time we read the tie-in comic, there's one for this which seems so painful that we just didn't bother. Uh, you're here to hear us talk about the movie. Um, the, we dropped the book gimmick, is what we did. <laughs> we don't need to see the lore reasons for how uh, Khan became Benedict Cumberbatch. Is that what the comic's about? Yes, because they have to explain... They have to link it up with actual canon. He gets fucking facial surgery and stuff. So no one knows who he is. Because oh, of his great. Black Ops mission as John Harrison. No one would know who he is anyway. I know this. <laughs> no one knows who these people are. They're from 300 years ago. No one knows who they are. No, but, you know. Why does he do that? And then no one's like, you, Admiral Marcus, aren't you the guy that did that rebellion 300 years ago that built the Federation? Obviously, we're watching Star Trek Into Darkness. This movie came out 16th of May, 2013. Yeah, it did. I was watching. It was written by Roberta Ursi, Alex Kurtzman, Damon Lindelof, directed by J.J. Abrams. It takes place in the Kelvinverse in the year 2259. Yes, it does. I watched this as part of, like, I was in the middle of watching all of Star Trek when I watched this. This was the, the year I watched TNG and DS9. Um... Did did that make it better or worse? Um, it made it worse. <laughs> okay, it made it much worse because I had like I was like rushing to make sure I got through all the DS Nine Section Thirty One stuff before this movie. <laughs> Great, and to my memory of twenty thirteen. Uh, and then in this movie, all they say is there was a facility called Section Thirty One, and then they don't say another thing about it. <laughs> <laughs> say nothing about it. it. Doesn't matter. It's all meaningless. Yeah. The movie was advertised with, oh, this is going to be the one where the Enterprise crashes. Yes. And also, there's a bad guy here, and it's Benedict Cumberbatch, who everyone's excited for, because it's 2013. Um, Sherlock was already bad. I wasn't excited. Yeah, well, what do you want? Everyone likes Sherlock but you, and me, I guess. I mean, now everyone's, just like with Doctor Who, everyone's come around to realizing that Stephen Moffat is full of shit and terrible. I was ahead of the curve. I was there day one. Yeah. But yes, Star Trek in the Darkness. We saw this movie. Um, and we both I mean, we both went to the cinema. You showed Destiny Wrath of Khan ahead of time because you knew as a, like, for sure. Yeah, she had just gotten into Star Trek, but not even, like, that Star Trek. Just, like, I think we just started watching TNG. And I was like, look, I know this is totally out of order. We need to watch this movie first. And she went along with it. It ruined the experience for her, but that's fine. Um, because if you went the other way, your brain would be broken. I can only <laughs> yeah. imagine. Yes, I, I, this this is definitely a mercy. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, no, I had, I had learned online that the rumors about john harrison being con were true uh which i could have guessed anyway um because they were very very adamant that he was not con but there was no other person he could be the way they were teasing it um and it was dumb it was dumb then it's dumb now it's especially dumb now honestly i can't imagine how this would be like go down on the internet now we made benedict Cumberbatch con like what 
What the fuck? Yeah. yeah. So yeah, what's the? Well, I guess what is the plot of this? Khan's uh, <laughs> here, and he starts a he 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 he's being he's being conned into starting a war. <laughs> All right, we're done here. No, I, realized, I realized this is what I was backing into. And I was like, shit. Might as well just own it. Um, I think you'll find the plot of this movie begins with a pre-title sequence, one of the worst to ever happen on the planet. Uh, yes. So they're on a planet with a volcano that's going to go off and they're going to use a device, a cold fusion device to stop the thing from going out, but they can't be seen because it's a like tribal civilization. The aliens very carefully made to be the most racist while trying not to be racist <laughs> aliens possible. It's so racist. It's so racist. Um, and then because these characters are all chuckleheads who can't get anything done correctly, they end up not only revealing themselves to the aliens, but revealing the Enterprise as it rises up out of the water in the big money shot from the trailer. Uh, and then Spock ignites the cold fusion device, gets beamed out just as he's, uh, about to die. And there's like a, a whole subplot that doesn't matter about how Spock doesn't fear death because he's the chill one. But this is a Wrath of Khan story, so you know he's gonna die. But will he? But will he? Yeah. Um, should we, should we do the summary and then talk about the movie, or do we want to go as we go? Yeah, sure. I don't know. I don't know what you want to do, Jackson. Well, we should just summarize it and then get mad about it. Okay. Anyway, they get in trouble from uh, Christopher Pike three days before retirement. Uh, <laughs> and uh, Kirk gets busted down to, like, just a lieutenant or something, right? Like, he's a, yes, he becomes, uh, well, he doesn't, he, he gets vaguely busted down. He, he gets the ship taken away from him. And then in a later scene, Pike is like, well, I've made you my first officer, so now you're a commander. Which... Like the amount of fucking work this movie has to do to get him, get him off the Enterprise, but then into the room of the high command thing that happens in three scenes is yes. so dumb. But yes, that's yes. how that goes. Anyway, uh, anyway, it uh, turns out none of that ever happens because uh, the whole collective of admirals is attacked after an explosion happens in a. Uh, like a secret facility. It turns out that it's part of Section 31, and then they blow up all the admirals, except Admiral Marcus, who's a guy who just really wants to take his black ops ships and go out and get vengeance. And he's going to get this idiot, James T. Kirk, to go get vengeance for him. And Kirk's like, sign me up, sir. I'm ready to do it. Pike was like my dad that time he came into a bar and told me I was an idiot. <laughs> Twice. Twice. <laughs> um, and so he... Uh, takes the Enterprise, uh, which he's being given again. Uh, it's some experimental weaponry that gets Scotty to quit because he's like, this is shady. And Kirk's like, well, we got to do the vengeance thing. And she's, he's like, that's not really what we do. We're explorers. We don't fight things. And I was like, my dude, this whole universe is defined by the fact that you are not explorers. You all powered up your ships because <laughs> the Kelvin got destroyed and went out and are military to militaristically exploring space. It's even compared to the original series. It's all cops all the way down. Yep. Cops on cops on cops, but Scotty has a, taking a moral stance now. Yeah. Anyway, they go after John Harrison. He does some like cool action scenes against some Klingons. It's stupid. Uh, he gets he surrenders in a very suspicious way, and it turns out that all the mysterious torpedoes that they brought on board they couldn't examine because they were shielded are all of the other uh, augments that have been frozen and were being used as leverage to get Khan 
which is who's John Harrison is, to work for Admiral Marcus uh, because he wants to use Khan's military genius to start a new galactic war because war is good for business or something. Yeah, the, the thing we left out is that, um, <laughs> we'll get mad about this, is that uh, uh, Khan just transported from Earth to Kronos. Um, I mean, that's established in the first movie. Yeah, it's bad there as well. Um, <laughs> I'm just saying, they already broke it. We already complained about that once. Uh, yeah. Anyway, transport from Earth to Kronos, and the, the like, there's like a little bit of politics around, oh, can we go to Kronos? Because then we'll be like going into their territory, and that's going to be like a real bad thing, and that could start a war. So you're going to stay on the edge of the territory and just fire the torpedoes, blah, blah, blah. Um, and so, like, the threat of the Klingon war is meant to be hanging in the background of this movie, but it was originally like actually part of the climax and gets cut out and dropped after this point. So now that doesn't matter at all. So the entire thing about Marcus war is meaningless now. Yeah. Other than he wants it. He wants it though. He's psyched about but the, it. But, but then Khan kills him because well, we're uh, getting ahead of ourselves. Old, old Spock is well, young Spock calls him old Spock is like, I know you promised not to tell me shit about the future, but we got this guy named Khan. And he's like, ah, oh, Khan was the level 10 boss of all the bosses <laughs> we faced in the original series. Yes. He literally says of all the adversaries we face as if Star Trek is a show about facing adversaries. I, I don't understand. I don't understand. The whole point of the reason it was Khan is that the guy went through and watched all the Star Trek movies and they were like, none of these have fucking villains. I guess Khan, he's the one. We need an actual yep. villain. The show doesn't do them. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and then some bullshit happens. There's a big fight. Kirk dies instead of Spock. Yep, uh, they, yeah, there's a whole... They do the entire same scene, except it's in the middle of, like, the worst set in the world because it's the brewery engineering room, and it's the rules are reversed. But otherwise, it's, like, line for line, the exact same scene. Yep, because, like, Khan takes over Marx's ship after killing him, so then it's just Khan versus the Enterprise. But they don't actually have a fight, they both just, like, fall to Earth and have to activate their ships. Uh, yeah. The way that... Spock wins is by beaming all the torpedoes aboard and then just blowing them up. Uh, presumably with the people inside them board, they might be alive at the end. I can't. I couldn't tell whether that was just Khan at the end. No, or no, because Kirk is like, oh, that's that's cold blood even for Spock. And McCoy's like, now nah, we took him out. And then it pans over and there's like the 70 augments all in the sick Oh, bay. yes, right, right. Okay, yes, I remember now. Yes. That's dumb. <laughs> so they're falling to Earth. He does the Wrath of Khan thing to reactivate the reactivate the warp droid, the warp core to get them out of a gravity well of Earth. Which again, not how Star Trek works, but whatever. Yeah. Uh, Kirk dies at this point, um, and yeah. <laughs> in one of the funniest things, so Spock does the Khan line. Yes. Uh, after they have seen uh, line for line done the other scene, but those are two very different scenes. <laughs> And one yes. of the funniest parts of the movie is how how like Gene Chino's score is great. Uh, it, the movie doesn't deserve it, but it's 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 working its ass off trying to make you feel something, and yes. and it's going in the background of this Khan scene uh, as Kirk is dying and he's like, "I shall be your friend," blah blah blah, um, and the music going, and then the music has to like, do you feel it have to do a handbrake as it tries to bring the sinister tones in, ready for him to yell Khan? Because there's no emotional through line to that moment at all. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah, so anyway, uh, the also, the whole point—the whole point of the Khan yell is that 
it it's just there as like a show. Like Kirk doesn't isn't actually this mad at Khan because he has a plan. Like it's just to convince Khan that he's won. Yep. Because they 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 get off Genesis pretty easily. Yeah, he has like the whole point is like he in that speech where he like right before he yells Khan, he's tipped Spock off that they're on an open channel and probably being listened to, and the things he's telling him are in code. Man, Rathcon, great movie. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so they, Vengeance falls to Earth instead uh, after uh, Spock blows up the, the 17 missiles. Does 27 911s all at once. <laughs> it, yes, it lands in San Francisco. Um, all the 911s happen. Uh, and it just and you think oh are they going to stop it before it hits the the Starfleet headquarters but no it just kind of misses and hits San Francisco and then he runs away like they don't stop it crashing it just does no. all the 911s yeah um and then uh Spock chases him on a floating garbage barge and punches him out uh and the conflict of the final fight is oh we might have figured out a way to save Kirk because a, a triple uh, has revived with the power of Khan's regenerative blood uh, but will Spock be too consumed by revenge uh, to save Kirk? No, he's, he's fine. He punches him out. They save Kirk. They lock Khan in a cryotube in a storage bag. Uh, specifically, they send Spock's girlfriend, Uhura, to tell him to not murder the man in cold blood. <laughs> That's true. They do. They do do that. And she says, don't murder. And he's like, okay, I guess. <laughs> Cut uh, to Khan being put in a cryo tube. Cut to black, fade yeah. to uh, 9-11 <laughs> memorial. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Kirk's alive after being dead, and then he gives a whole speech about how vengeance is not the answer and we're better than that, despite the fact that he was vengeancing not an hour ago in the movie time. Um, well, he's but it's now. been a year now, and he's learned something from his experiences, and they're about to start the first five-year mission. Yeah. And it's like now we can tr- now we have purged our demons. We can truly go and do Star Trek. And I'm like, it's not what happened in this movie. <laughs> it's not. It's not, it's not. No. Shut up. No. What are you What are you talking about? They destroyed Section Thirty One forever. Oh, I'm sure it'll be fine. <laughs> in In the Kelvin verse, <laughs> where where the Federation is already Section Thirty One. Yep. And that's that. That's the whole movie. That's the summary we got. It's fucking terrible. Also, also, Dr. Marcus is supposedly on the ship full-time now, but she's not in the next she's movie. She's not in the next movie! <laughs> <laughs> but she is uh, on the ship going into the into the five-year mission. But yes, just they didn't pay for Alice Eve, is that her name? Come back. Yep. Um, f- famous in this movie entirely for that one trailer shot of her in her underwear, which is one of the most hilariously gratuitous one of those... Sh- like, it's a completely frivolous scene. The scene does have no point. Yep, people were mad at it in the trailer, and then in the movie, it turns out that Kirk's, like, oogling her against her consent, where she explicitly says, don't turn around, I'm changing, and he does anyway. Uh, and it sucks. The whole thing's bad. <laughs> There's also the outrageous scene early on, where Spock and Kirk are, like, one- walking through Starfleet Command, about to go get very important news. Uh, that Kirk th- thinks it's him getting uh, the five-year mission, is him getting busted down, and he has to stop, like, a cartoon teenager to, like, oogle some women walking by. <laughs> And he just says hi, girls. Like, there's, there's no, there's no development. He just looks around and like, I, four seconds ago, because the prior scene was him having a threesome. Yeah, this was already established. You don't need to do it in this scene as well. So the 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 script of this movie feels like it was written in about an hour, 
by a bad screenwriting teacher trying to teach you about how like character works at least until they start doing the wrath of khan stuff uh it's all very like yes every line is explaining the character and because the th- there are themes and there are characters it's not like devoid of that stuff but they're just told to you right <laughs> Yeah, just some like the scene at the start where he's like, "You don't respect the rules. You don't the, here are the, the the here are the problems that you as a character will have to face in this movie." Uh, where, where Pike is all like that to Kirk is just like, the, "These aren't true. None of these are the real like you're telling me this, and this is the thing that you want us to believe are the themes of the movie, but you haven't actually like done this through storytelling. You've just had a guy tell me this is what the movie's about." <laughs> yep, it's so bad. Yes. It's very bad. Because um, I, I remember we didn't like the the first movie, but this is just a multitude worse. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely worse. Um, in a way that was almost a blessing, because everyone hated it. Uh, yeah, no, like, people will still hold up Trek 09 as like, oh, this is the, the good Star Trek it brought me in. And if it brought you into Star Trek, I'm not here to, like, crap on that, I guess. But, um, we talked about that movie. I don't think it's very good. Nope. This movie is, doesn't even manage to do the things that that movie did, uh, like, okay, and, like, have emotional centers and themes that matter and don't make you roll your eyes. Um, nothing happens in this movie. There aren't even, like, good set... Like, they skydive down to that, like, drilling platform in the first movie. There's nothing like that here. Um, what are you talking about? They skydive from the Enterprise to the Vengeance, and it's, like, the big set piece of the movie, and all Yeah, of- they, they they both iron... Like, it's... it's <laughs> they Chris both Pine iron- and Bandit Cumberbatch iron manning through space, and it sucks. The action scenes in this movie are so strangely constructed, and I guess this is, like how movies are now but there's like a whole wire work scene of benedict cumberbatch firing dual blasters into klingons <laughs> it's so stupid but like it's really bad the 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 dual iron man scene right yeah is just terrible and it, it, there's no time for anything to happen either something is kicking off or a, a scene uh is being inserted of something. Here's the way the stakes have been raised, and the stakes are constantly being raised. It's just ludicrous degrees. They're like, oh, okay, it's it's like you've got to you've got to launch from your airlock to this airlock, so it's like the hardest trajectory ever. You're never going to make it. It's impossible. Uh, okay, now there's debris in the way. Oh, now your visors have gone off. Use the force, Luke. Uh, and it's just like cartoonish the way all of this stuff is escalating, but not with like purpose, right? It's not. Um, yes. I mean, the purpose is they want Spock to say as many times as possible the C-3PO line of the odds are right. like impo- mathematically impossible and Kirk being like, never tell me the odds because J.J. Abrams really wants to make Star Wars, not Star Trek. Well, good news for him. Yeah, bad news for the rest of us. Yep. That happens like three times in this movie. <laughs> It does happen like three times in this movie. I think the most instruct. Okay, what, you- what is the worst shot of the movie? the worst shot in the movie yeah i i have a, i have a very specific answer which i don't know if you will but um i wonder if you have an answer as well a more normal answer than i'm about to give my brain genius one i don't think i don't think i have one that springs to mind because the, the movie's just bad okay so it is about five minutes in uh during the scene where they're like spock you're going to die there is a random four maybe two second cutaway shot to scotty looking at a cgi whale 
Uh, <laughs> during what is meant to be like this dramatic scene about is Spock going to die, uh, it just yeah. like oh, there's been two seconds where a thing hasn't fucking happened, yes. and it's just a whale. And Spock, Scotty goes, "Whoa, look, it's a whale!" And there's no joke. It just looks at the whale and like that's it. And I'm like, why? How do you get to a point in filmmaking where you think that is a good idea to put in this scene? Because someone had to animate that. That's not. That's not just like a cutaway shot. That's an actual effect shot. Work was done to put that thing in the movie. Uh, yep. And the decisions that have to be made to like think that's how you like that would be in any way additive to the scene you're making is just baffling to me. I think my worst shot, uh, which is not nearly as like uh, I like this undermines the entire writing. It's just bad. <laughs> is when Khan fires on all the admirals. Uh, <laughs> there's a scene where Kirk's like looking through the busted window, <laughs> and you just see a, like stupid Bender Cumberbatch's face in this black ops ship that does like is like a VTOL ship with a bunch of like phaser cannons on it but they didn't think to black out the cockpit windows because he needs to be able to recognize this is the guy he saw on his CSI enhancements tablet 15 minutes ago yeah it's and he like just like looks at him dramatically uh which like ends up meaning the scene before where he kills the admirals because they they save the reveal shot for kirk like standing and looking at him but it means that like he's just using his headlights to blind everyone and they have to shoot that scene so no one in the front room can see (laughs) which doesn't make any sense um and every time they play kirk and con interacting it's meant to be like these characters are out reliving this like long rivalry and i'm like one they weren't even rivals in the prime universe and two they didn't meet before. Yep. That amazing bit where Khan's in the prison is like, my name is Khan. <laughs> and Kirk, like, Kirk's supposed to be like, who? What? No, I don't know who that is. <laughs> Spock literally has to call the other Spock and be like, okay, he said he said Khan, so he's clearly important. Who is he? <laughs> who is this guy? Yep. He's always the super but, final but boss the, of the raid. The movie is not like about the way in which the Kelvin verse splitting off means that like, the inertia of the other universe is like pulling the villains back into no! the orbit of the heroes, which would be interesting if they just made it about the way the Calvinverse has like narrative weight because it's the Star Trek spinoff. And they had to reckon with that. That would be cool. But no, it's not that at all. Uh, no. And like, in fact, they explicitly in the last movie said, no, well now the, the drop, the like time splits happen. Anything can happen. It's like, you know, it's not a real, yeah. so, which makes things like, um, Spock's vow to never tell you anything, otherwise it might influence your destiny, seemed ludicrous, because the last movie ended with a joke about how that was fake. <laughs> yep. Uh, and then also, like, the movie teases the idea that they could do anything, because for, like, a good half hour, Kirk and Spock are, t- or Con and Spock, or Con and Kirk are just working together. Like, you're like, oh, he just wants to go back into cryotubes, he didn't come out and decide he wanted to rule the world, uh, maybe he just sees this universe, like, this era, and is like, this era sucks, I'm going back on ice for another 300 years, maybe the next one will be better. Uh, and that would be, I think that'd be interesting to explore, but the movie doesn't do that, it's just a fake out because he has to be a villain, that's what these stories are. Because right. we're not actually remaking Wrath of Khan, but we have to remake Wrath of Khan. There's an it, because, like, Wrath of Khan isn't where Khan is revived, right? He comes back in Space Seed, and then he gets real mad after all the shit with <laughs> Sunny Alpha yeah, 5 Yeah, because in, in Space Seed, he reads through the Enterprise library, and he's like, this place seems perfect to rule, because everyone's, uh, like, just, like, peacetime explorer. I could take over this place easy. Uh, yep. And then almost does. Um, and then he's exiled, and the exile just makes him even more bitter, because he loses all his family to the weird earworms and the sun exploding, and all the bad things. But if you, like, actually wanted to make this movie about Khan, 
awakening in a different era you could do that that's not like a ground that isn't interesting there are things yeah. you could do both with khan and also about like re-looking at what the eugenics war means in yeah. 2013 rather than the 1960s lens um well, i mean he should he should probably wake up in the Calvinverse and be like this place is perfect for me right yeah because everyone is ready to pull guns and start a war whenever because the Kelvin got destroyed and everything is post 9-11, including this movie, which is also <laughs> about the post 9-11 of Star Trek. It's extremely 9-11. Yeah. So many 9-11s happen at the end. Ah, <laughs> uh, there are so many of them. Oh, God. And this was a thing in... The, this was like a trend at the time. I don't know why like three movies in a, i i can think of three high profile movies in the same couple of years doing this but um you have to tell me are there any others but the bunch of movies where the the main villain just walks up to the 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 heroes and is like oh please arrest me please put me in your see-through containment tube so i can menace you and you know i'm clearly being arrested on purpose and the heroes just go along with it i just i can think of loki and khan i don't know what the other one is uh skyfall oh right fair Which enough is also at the same time yeah, that's uh, yeah. I don't Fine. know why. I don't know why that will happen at the same time. Because I mean, this also has the million nine elevens that Avengers had. Mm-hmm. Skyfall had a few less nine elevens. I mean, there's a nine eleven in every Marvel movie, basically. Yeah. Uh, yes, there sure is. <laughs> but it, it is so like to be serious for a moment about if taking earnestly right the the thesis of this movie that it is about post 9-11 how we can't just give in to our vengeance against the other uh which is which is baffling given how much this movie is just full slag nonsense yes Um, but if we honestly take that as an intent the film has why the, the the first question which is the question you have with a lot of cinema is why is the like the part where the 9-11s happen so weightless like the the feeling of watching a city just get destroyed and people die is meaningless in this movie there's no like san francisco getting destroyed does not evoke any emotion other than well that's expensive cgi like uh because it's a bad because it's a bad movie is why (laughs) I, i know the answer why but i mean i mean more as a critique of like you know if you were, if you wanted to talk about that, surely the first thing you would do would be emphasize that when a city gets destroyed, it's bad. Yeah. I mean, they did that last movie with Vulcan. Like, this is just a much worse movie. Absolutely. And, like, production-wise, there was a lot of, like, oh, the destruction of Vulcan has to hang over this entire movie. It's barely brought up. And whenever Spock's, like, interiority is brought up, he's in the wrong for, like, the entire movie. He's just portrayed as, like this super petty emotional person who is constantly getting in everyone's way and can't be trusted to be stable enough to like get things done unlike the humans who are <laughs> the, the dispassionate people who are always right except for kirk because he's young he he gets over it that's his arc uh, the only uh, star trek that is canon in this universe is enterprise <laughs> <God>. <laughs> it's it's just baffling uh like these writers don't know how to write Spock. <laughs> they just don't. They, they don't understand who Spock is. It's really strange. And they don't understand who Kirk is either. But at least their understanding of Kirk is like wrong in a consistent way, right? Like they have definitely internalized the um, cultural understanding of Kirk, right? Of he's, yeah. he, he, loves to, he loves to fuck. He's just a risk taker. He doesn't care about the rules. Uh, yes. And while not true is at least you can see how they get there with culture uh spock 
I have no idea what they're doing with Spock. What are they doing with him? Like, the way that Spock is portrayed is like a teenager that with way too much strength experiencing mood swings, right? Like, that's just <laughs> yes. who he is the entire time. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Like, sometimes sometimes he's a stick in the mud, very, like, TOS Spock. And sometimes it's like, oh, if you make him mad, he's just going to rip your arms off. And, like, all of it's bad. <laughs> the, there is actually one moment where they are sympathetic to Spock. <laughs> And you, I don't know if you remember what it is, but it is when Uhura comes to the bridge uh, and Kirk's like, is there going to be a problem with you two? And Uhura's like, no. And Spock's like, well, uh, there might be. Um, and that's it. That's the time when Spock's the reasonable one is when is when the woman is kicking off on one because she's just too dramatic because this movie is extremely sexist. You know, also, the the whole reason they're fighting is because she's mad that he wasn't afraid to die in the volcano. Um, he should have just explained to her that uh, Vulcans don't actually die because their catchers are taken in Aunt Sela. <laughs> <laughs> yep. But no one, no one mentions that. Like, uh, it's bad. It's bad. It's bad. The whole thing's bad. It it just sucks. Because, like, all the writing around these characters are terrible. Um, and it's a shame because most of the actors are reasonably good. Like, uh... Carl Evan. No, wasn't... Uh, Chekhov, what's his name? Oh, Anton Yelchin. Anton Yelchin, yes. Uh, is just given explicit orders in the film, be the guy who runs around because it's funny when you run around. A hundred... That's what he is, has to do, right? <laughs> Yes. So he spends the entire movie running around yelling at his bad fake accent because there's nothing there for him, even though he's like a likable guy. You want to like this character, but he's just a buffoon. It's it's really strange. And then the only person who gets like the gravity of being right about everything and thoughtful is Simon Pegg. But Simon Pegg's not an actor. He's a comedian. And so it sucks. Oh, uh, they really do give Simon Pegg the like moral stance in this movie. <laughs> yes, but he's there looking like he's trying very hard to pretend that he's in his twenties still. <laughs> it's so funny because everyone else has been so everyone else is either much younger or Carl Urban, who is older, is just like hot enough that it doesn't. It's fine. Uh, yes, Simon Pegg is a normal person in his forties. <laughs> Uh, yes, with a haircut and uh, demeanor that trying desperately for no one to recognize that he's in his forties. It's like it's fine. Just have Scotty be old. It's fine. Like, it's not like how he was in the show, but whatever. I guess you cast Simon Pegg because that's J.J. Abrams' idea of comic relief. Yeah, um, but, but the film doesn't play it like he's like the old hand who's like a mentor to Kirk. Kirk just busts him down. For, he's like, ah, you're saying that we should think about our vengeance. That's stupid. I want to go shoot something. Get off my ship. Right, because the reason he resigns is over the um, missiles, where he's like, you know, you've got 72 missiles that are clearly suspicious for weird reasons, and we're going to act like they're bombs, even though everyone, every single person who knows anything about Star Trek knows exactly what the missiles are. Yeah. Um, and, and he mostly just leaves so they can have someone inside the ship later. Yeah. Uh, and there, there's, like, so, one of the shots in this movie is really strange is there's there's a bit during that action scene where he's he's got to let them in through the airlock, right? Uh, and the gag in that scene is that the airlock is long. And yeah, there's so like the a, room's so big he has to run down this uh, giant abandoned cartoon hallway. Yeah, and there's like ten second shots of him just running just straight, 
and they're like, this isn't funny. You haven't put a joke here. You've just put Simon Pegg running. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and... And the only reason he has to run so much, the only reason everyone runs so much is because they made the ships too damn big. I mean, the, the, the idea that the Vengeance is one of the biggest ship ever because it dwarfs the Enterprise, which is already massive. Yeah, a long-term complaint, if you are new to this, is in these movies, they just doubled the size of the Enterprise in terms of, like, scale for no good reason. Like, if you look at, like, the windows or when it's against things that are, like, frames of reference, it's just it's just twice as big. Um, so it's bigger than the Enterprise-D, which is, like, a ship that is an entire city that has, like, over a thousand people on it for this. <laughs> yes. And then you get the And vengeance. then they made then they made the Super Star Destroyer version of it, which is like literally like a mile long. It's just the biggest thing in the world. But so that part's double funny because not only is it the biggest thing in the world, it then has to crash into an actual city on Earth. Yes, which means it's just it's like the saucer crashes and just entire buildings are scrubbed off of the Earth because it's so huge. But then because they're geniuses, they have fucking can't jump off it well it only needs one man to pilot it because right. despite the fact that it's the biggest thing in the world it's all automated it's all automated and it's built for minimal crew because that you know so long as one person's alive we can do war you yep. which is written which only exists so khan can take control of it himself like there's no other reason that plot point exists it's not really like a thematically minded choice no it's just so they can sneak aboard and that khan can take over it himself Yep. Um, you know, what else? Because the original Star Trek movies did a ton of we only have our main characters because they stole the ship, and so they have to jury rig controlling the ship from the bridge, and it's not meant to do that, so everything breaks all the time. Like it's meant like the, those are huge plot beats of the movies, yeah. and that that stuff's good. Like I like that in Star Trek, right? Star Trek, um, yeah, is always about uh, on some level the amount of stuff that has to go into the ship, like. The entire, the most iconic like Star Trek scene setup is the captain giving orders to a bunch of people reading out like different commands on different departments. Like that's what Star Trek is known for. So mm-hmm. when you make it just a guy controlling a ship, like say in Star Wars, <laughs> it just kind of completely falls apart. It's just not even Star even Star Wars. Right. When you look at like the Star Destroyers yes. or even the Millennium Falcon is about characters shouting orders at other characters like down the hallway as they're trying to like weld something together. God, imagine one guy controlling a Star Destroyer. <laughs> That's what happens in this movie. What yeah. if Darth Vader had the Super Star Destroyer all on his own? God, this is this movie's stupid. Yeah. Yeah, it's bad. Uh, what other points do we need to hit? God, what else even happens? Because the thing is, for all of the like really bad plot beats, this movie feels really empty to me. Like it just nothing whole happens. sections of time or nothing going on. Yeah, because like there's like menial conflict, but it's usually over shit like Spock and Hera's drama, uh, yeah. Kirk and Spock just repeating the same beats over and over again. Of Kirk being like, I'm I don't care about the rules, but I care about people, and Spock being like, I'm logic, so I will report you for saving my life. <laughs> And that's that's it. They just have that argument about ten times in this movie. There's no progression. There's no development. Um, it just kind of goes over this again and again and again. Uh, which at least the first movie didn't do because it has to move through so much time. Yep. Um, the cl- the the Klingons are here. They're even more racist inexplicably. They are somehow more racist. Uh, 
they're the most racist version of the Klingons somehow. Well, I don't know. The TOS ones sometimes maybe. Yeah, know. I mean, in a different way, because the TOS ones have all of the like weird like Orientalist coding. Yes. Um, these are definitely, we made black people, but they're aliens, which is the like modern Star Trek way of taking it. But because they're just like a bunch of toughs uh, who show up and fight once. Yeah, the Klingons are extremely racist. Yeah, uh, you just, they're just like the tough black people with a bunch of piercings and they, they, they just get shot down. They show up to be a th- physical threat and then fucking Benedict Cumberbatch comes in and shoots them all down. Shoots them all down. There's no point to them. And there's like, there's no repercussions to going to Kronos. Uh, if they, they say in the production notes that there was originally um, like a Klingon fleet coming like following them because what the fuck which yeah fair enough but then they they cut that because like oh, i made the climax too busy and took away from the emotions of the movie and i'm like okay sure i guess so then you literally just walk up to the klingons beat them all up because benedict Cumberbatch is so cool and then leave and there's then they never mention them because they're not in the next movie there's the klingons really don't matter in this universe yep they really don't um and yeah the design is terrible <laughs> Yep. It's a shame. Yes. Because um, I did think, like, watching the start of it, that, like, the bare concept of this movie, you could, like, it isn't that far off from, like, a de- you could do it decently with Enterprise, right? Of there is some. Someone is on Kronos, and the Enterprise have to go get them for diplomatic reasons, but they're walking over the toes of the Klingons to do so. Archer, like, trying to navigate that is, like, that's a, that is a decent episode of Enterprise, because Archer thinks he's really in with the Klingons, but also thinks he can just be a 9-11 cop. Um, yes. And that's all, like, there in that character already. And then I realized that a similar episode exists, not with, uh, not with um, Kronos, but it's basically the Terra Prime episode, where there is another terrorist attack because of the terrorism of aliens that is done by the same man <laughs> literally the same person like Admiral Marcus Peter Weller is the guy in Terra Prime yep. uh, and so it's like it's not like this material hasn't been done better in, uh, in Star Trek it's like Star Trek does know what a 9-11 is they've talked about it before <laughs> um, it's so fucking weird yeah, but it, it did at least blow up this, uh, like you know, because Bob Orsi was going to direct the next movie, and then everyone was too angry at him. Thank Christ! I was expecting maybe it would be like funny bad this time. Maybe enough time had passed that I would yep. just laugh at it, and it'll be fine. But no, it's it's intolerable. It's just an awful movie. It's not fun to watch. It's not fun to laugh at. Um. It's just bad. I'm very excited for Beyond to just. Yeah, I, I, yeah. The, the coming out of this, I was like, man, I'm gonna have a lot to talk about. It's gonna be real bad. And then I watched it. I was like, wait, there's just nothing here. It just sucks. Yep. There's like you know the 9/11 stuff is evident, right? There's not. You don't have to dig into it. It's not like a rich, you know, like, even in a bad way. It's not like there's so much stuff there to really get your teeth into about how much it's terrible. It's just bad. Fucking yep. Mickey from Doctor Who shows up to kill himself. Yeah, in a like a hilarious scene. I guess I just said it wasn't funny, bad, but then said it was hilarious. In a bad scene, uh, that's like you can tell they think is really clever and arty because he doesn't have any dialogue. It's just got the sad music. Yeah. Uh, but instead, it's just bad as Benedict Cumberbatch kind of looks menacingly, ensuring that he does a does a good nine eleven for him. 
Yeah. That explosion's massive because it cuts back to them in the Royal Children's Hospital and blows up half of London. Yeah. I guess we're already done. Sorry about this podcast just being us being mad directionlessly. Yeah. But this is why we stopped doing Star Trek. <laughs> Sometimes it's good. I know, but we never covered we those. Don't cover we don't cover the bad ones. <laughs> That's true. The episode we were going to watch before we stopped was the fucking Journey's End one. So, you know, we just need to stop watching bad Star Trek. We do. I mean, it, it honestly doesn't get much worse than this. Like, it's this, it's Code Nemesis, of uh, Code of Honor. That's it. That one episode of Enterprise with the um, Orions. Yeah, even that's like funny because they think that they're being smart. <laughs> right, yes, because they think that's the work move. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, okay, because you're right. That's, the, that's thing with, the thing with Enterprise is Enterprise is not like a... You, the people who made Enterprise didn't get to make Star Wars right afterwards, so I'm not mad at it in the same way. Right. I mean, J.J. Abrams is a bad filmmaker. Like, you know, straight up. Yeah, but everyone thinks he's great. The thing with Enterprise is, like, it's the Star Trek that everyone didn't watch because they thought it was a joke, and I think there's stuff there, which is very different to watching the sequel to Trek 09, a movie that is mostly beloved, and I hate <laughs> But yeah, I don't know. I mean, I never understood the Abrams stuff because I I don't like any of his movies. Um, yeah. I I think Super Eight is so bad that it like should have ended his career. Like, and the fact that we don't live in a world where you can make Super Eight and get to make another movie is like what what? Uh, <laughs> you were correct. Like, so I, I I will never understand the JJ Abrams thing. Like, I get lost. Uh, I guess it, like I I've enjoyed Fringe. I get like here are the TV shows that he started and people have worked on. Like you know the stuff there. But as like a director of movies, I don't understand how he's going so strong. Yep. We have some questions if you want we to do, do that. We do have some questions. We have uh, some questions from Tron. Yeah, well, we have a bunch of... We have a, we have like three emails. Uh, I oh, was going to really say... Good. Yes, I was going to say, if you want to send in emails, you can send them to podcast at remapping.com. Don't know when we're going to do another one of these, but we'll just squirrel them away until then. And yes. if, if we're covering like a specific thing that isn't just Picard's out... Um, we'll put up a call on our Twitters, which we'll plug after this. But uh, first question is from Dan. Um, Dan asks, uh, because there's so many things that you can complain about this movie, what plotline or sequence do you think is actually done or handled well? Oh, or, or at least the least poorly. Uh, is it a cop-out just to say the music? Yes. Uh, this is the cruelest yes. question of all, Dan. <laughs> okay. That that is a cop out, unfortunately. <sighs> I like I actually like the stuff with um the guy who works for Section Thirty One and his daughter, and Khan comes up to them and is like, "I can save your daughter." I think it's ludicrous to be in this movie, but in a movie that was like actually thoughtful, I think it'd be interesting. No, because I I really think the like the way that all plays out in silence and the, the dramatic shot of Benedict Cumberbatch that goes <laughs> is yeah that part's bad but like the idea of like it's the tw it's Star Trek time post-scarcity and yet there's still people who like the system is failing could be a good jumping off point for something interesting the movie is incapable of that doesn't even know that that's what they've got <laughs> it doesn't even know what that's about it's just it's just a MacGuffin to get the plot I, don't, you like, know. I mean, the question is now, can I think of anything better than that in the movie? <laughs> <laughs> Which is hard to answer, because I think it's so, so terrible. I guess I have to go with that, because I, I, like, I'm combing every scene in my head, and it's all bad. Um, yeah. There's nothing in this movie that I really like at all. 
Um, yeah. All right. We got a question from Jasmine. If you had to remake a favorite movie of yours, but action slash sexy slash youth it up, what would you try to avoid the most? Any must haves for a cast? Uh, oh, Identify the movie you're doing first. That's that. That's a that's that's a lot of questions in one, uh, which is good. I'm, that's not a critique. I've got to. I've just got to take a moment to think about that. Okay. Um, what would I? What would I want to? It has a favorite movie of mine. Yep. Um, I guess I guess I would have to sexy up uh, modern times. <laughs> no, hell, this is the worst idea you've ever had in your life. I hate this. I hate this. Just some fucking like cool guy, like model actor going through the the machine. <laughs> Uh, yeah, the thing the thing about that is, Modern Times is a great movie. It's very relevant to today. That's why we're remaking it. Um, you have to pick <laughs> someone who's not who's not just like the fucking white guy who's sick of having a job, right? Like, it's very easy to make that version. I think the main thing you'd have to do is to identify what the ideal actor to portray being someone who is like slip through the cracks of society is um and that would be very difficult given that if you're making like a movie where you want to name all the, none of the names fit because they're all fucking rich people right because yeah, in my head i was like oh what we're gonna have that scene in in the like in the, the in the bar but it's tom holland doing a Fortnite dance when you said that that's my brain went to the worst of all worlds <laughs> Uh, it is an incredible God. prompt, though. I'm trying to think of what I would... Because in my head, I'm like, oh, you know, you make the Star Trek versus the Gundam one, right? Which will actually exist soon. But it's not a movie. Um... What's, your, what's, what's your favorite movie? A fav- I don't have a favorite movie. I don't know. Pick one of... pick. Give me your three favorite movies. Uh, I guess you could have, like, a new a young people version of 25th Hour. <laughs> yes! <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who you cast in that either. I mean, you cast Edward Norton as the dad, right? <laughs> you, you do cast Edward Norton <laughs> as the dad. <laughs> God. What's the thing you avoid with that? Uh, uh, you avoid the part where the Philip Seymour Huffman character wants to fuck the girl in school, but it's kind of sympathetic and like in a, it's like yes. sad and not in the yes. way you'd think it would be now. I think you'd get away that with is, that plot line. That is absolutely the answer. <laughs> Because uh, I like that movie. Then there's an entire subplot about first Seymour Hoffman being like conflicted about uh, whether he wants to sleep with his student, and he realizes that no, I don't. That's terrible. Uh, but only after he like briefly kisses her. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's the thing you avoid. Yeah. This is a good question though. I don't. I would have to give it further thought. Um. Then we got a question from Tron. Uh, did you like the beginning of the movie? No. No, it's bad. It's real. It's real racist. And for like, for like the gesture towards the idea that somehow in between these movies, like, like Star Trek, you might recognize is happening, but it's Star Trek written by idiots. So they just do like an Indiana Jones plot. Yeah. It just turns into a galaxy quest for no good reason. It really does. Right. And it doesn't even, it's it's more ridiculous than the joke version. Yes. Uh, Uh, What are your thoughts about the prime directive? Uh, it's dumb, and this movie doesn't even understand what its purpose is in like the narrative of yes. Star Trek. Because they bust, they bust Kirk down for violating the Prime Directive. Violating the Prime Directive is literally the task of captains. 
Right. Like, the point of the Prime Directive is to encourage scenes where the characters talk about whether, like, this is the thing you want to do. It is... Yeah, and, like, that's its literal canon purpose in Star... Like, in Starfleet, in the universe, is to make people stop and consider, do we want to interrupt these people or not? Is it worth doing, like, an, an imperialism if it's going to help someone? And sometimes you say yes, and sometimes you say no, but that's the captain's call. That's literally what being a captain is. Right, that's what it's about. And, like, the idea, the... One, the idea in this movie that Kirk wouldn't immediately just say what he did and be like, I'm the fucking captain. It was like, this civilization dies or, you know, it was easy cool. Um, and the fact that this movie just uses it as like an unquestioned rule and not a, you know, prompt for a character drama, which is what Star Trek's about, is just baffling. Because I don't think the Prime Directive is great, necessarily. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do think it is used much better in like a regular Star Trek than it is in this movie. There are there are prime directive dilemmas, dilemmas that can be interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, what is the next? Uh, did you all think that Scotty's argument that Starfleet used to be explorers to be odd? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, there, hasn't been, there hasn't been an explorer in this universe in 20 years. Yeah. 20 plus. I don't know how old Kirk's supposed to be. That's true, I guess. He's... Right, how the fuck old is anyone in this movie? (laughs) God. God! And they insinuate that Spock and Kirk are born at the same time, which isn't how the Vulcans work. Yeah. Anyway. um, The other questions. Uh... What did you think about how dialogue is handled in this movie? I quickly became grated by all the screaming and characters talking over each other. Absolutely on your side that's here. All, that's all it does. There's no there's no actual like characterization. It's just we disagree. That's what the plot is, is people disagreeing, but for no good reason other than our personalities clash. Yep. No, like, there's no actual scenes of negotiating difference, which is like all of the good Star Trek stuff. Yep. Um. Did any of you get affected by the references in this movie? I kind of get emotional during the Kirk dying scene, but only because I was thinking about Wrath of Khan at the time. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Wrath that's of Khan so is a great movie. We should have watched that instead. It's it's so good. I To be fair, not a whole lot to say about Wrath of Khan that it hasn't been said a thousand times because it's just a really good movie about what it is to get older and try to feel like a person still. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know what, like, we've joked, what if we did a Wrath of Khan podcast or whatever, but I have nothing to say. It's all there in the movie. Yeah, <laughs> It's one of the most the self-evident things. He feels young. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think of Eve in this movie, Jackson? Uh, wait, that means Alice Eve? Yes. Uh, she's not great. Like, she's fun. Why she, why did they cast someone who, like, for all of their, like, attempts to be really direct to the the canon and the so why is she talking around with a british accent what's going on with that i don't know uh because i guess like technically she's supposed to be carol marcus but because carol marcus is like in one movie and doesn't matter just having someone who isn't like we're doing a broad parody of characters you already like right. is nice it's like oh there's they could just be a person in this universe <laughs> Um, and that would be fun. Like, if Carol Marcus was in these movies, right, and just didn't really get with Kirk and was just, just a character completely unrelated because, the, like, the world has changed, that would be fine. Yeah. Um, but she's here because Carol Marcus, that's a name you know. Think about Wrath of Khan, please. Yeah, but the idea that her dad is, like, the CIA director of Starfleet and she doesn't realize that and is just, like, trying to go along and do the right thing is, like, you could do something with that. The movie doesn't. <laughs> 
Yep, and it definitely like you because if you extend that out logically, you think, what does that mean about the Genesis Project, right? But the movie's not yep. thinking about that. Uh, no, she's just here to get naked in that one scene. Um, uh, I guess the one last question that we didn't cover uh, is, what do you think about the look of the warp core in this movie? <laughs> Okay, so one of my least favorite changes to the like the size like if we discard the size thing because the size thing is broken, you can't square that circle at all. The only thing I really, really, really hate about the new Enterprise is the brewery engine room. Um, in the first movie specifically, I think it doesn't make sense for what a Starfleet vessel is like. I think they do a lot of work to like bring that into a space that feels like Star Trek in the second movie, except. Inside the thing that's supposed to be like, what if the warp core was like decentralized and untangled and more realistic? They just have like the beryllium sphere room for no good reason. It's a giant thing that exists only for someone to have to climb it in a desperate time to realign two things that shouldn't be out of alignment ever. I don't know why they would ever be possible for a thing to be like cattywampus, like the bottom half of the warp core injection thing is. Uh, none of it makes any logical sense for Star Trek science. And the thing about Star Trek science is it's absolutely fake. It doesn't matter. But it's internally consistent in how fake it is because entire plot threads hinge on when someone says you shoot tachyon particles you know that means time's happening <laughs> right like the best um the easiest parallel for this is the reason the science matters in star trek is the reason that there are rules in wrestling because it means yeah. something when someone breaks them it means like yeah it is a shared understanding with the audience that you know what it means when someone says the warp core is going to do this because we all know and so the stakes have been set, and we understand the possibility of the space, and the story can happen. Yes. Uh, they don't even understand what a warp core does, because it only powers the warp drive. It's not like the Enterprise is using warp power to do everything. Right. If the warp core goes out, it still has all the energy from every other source, and still has, like, impulse engines and maneuvering thrusters. The reason in Wrath of Khan they needed the warp core fixed is because it was damaged in battle, and they need to warp away from the Genesis explosion. In this, they just need to turn on the maneuvering thruster so they don't crash into the ocean, and uh, that's not a warp core thing. They don't need to realign the warp core. Kirk dies for nothing. <laughs> and then his death is made meaningless because he's brought right back to life. They yep. don't even spend a movie about the trauma of someone dying and then being reunited because Vulcans have magic powers. Because <laughs> yeah, I'm like, oh, I guess maybe it'll be the search for Kirk. Like, I remember being in the cinema thinking, oh, I guess that's what they'll do now, right? Uh, somehow they'll get Kirk back in the next movie. But no, he just comes back because of magic triple blood. Yeah. This is a fucking Chekhov's gun, but it's a triple. Yeah, no, Chekhov's busy running around engineering. Shut up. I <laughs> 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 <Hey>, you. <laughs> yeah, anyway, that's us complaining about this movie. Yeah, sorry it's a downer, but you knew it was going to be. This, this movie fucking sucks. Whatever we do next, whether it's Picard uh, or beyond, um, I think those are the only two options. It's probably going to be Picard, let's be real. Yeah. Um, it's only three months away. I think it's January at this point. I guess. It said December, but it's definitely moved into 2020. Anyway, whatever we do next will hopefully be uh, worth it. We can't say if it'll be better, but hopefully there'll be at least more to dig into. Because if the yeah. Picard thing sucks, we'll still have a lot to say about it. 
Um, since we stopped doing these, we have some new podcasts. Jackson, do you like to plug how people can uh, listen to us? Oh, enjoy yes, our work? right. If you're someone who has only got this feed uh, in your in your podcast reader, then you've missed out on a lot of content because nothing's been here. Uh, you can go to normapping.com to find a whole bunch of podcasts, including a new podcast that Em is doing called uh, And Then an Airplane, which is a watch-through of every uh, Studio Ghibli movie. Um, it's very good. They're up to Grave of the Fireflies now. Um, I need to watch that. I'm being told off rightly for not keeping up. Yeah, uh, I am doing my own movie podcast, Limited Run. Uh, it is all the James Bond movies with Dia Lucina. It is called Never Say Podcast Again, and that's on iTunes. They're, all of these are on iTunes. They've all you know, done all the things. Uh, and we also have a podcast called Repertory Screenings, where we just watch movies. Three movie podcasts, apparently. But this is just uh, uh, me, Em, and Destiny watching movies every two weeks. Uh, we're trying to do... Um, classic movies uh like you know nothing too recent but things that are like you should hear the movies are always meant to see is kind of the kind of the vibe we're going for uh yeah this week we are watching king of comedy uh you know in the shadow of the bad joker movie that is ripping it off uh, and talking about that uh, yeah those, those are the new podcasts that we have done since the last time we did sos yeah um where can people find you on twitter uh, on headfuls off, at headfuls off, on headfuls off. Uh, headfuls if you want to support the network, and I understand if you're only here for Star Trek, that might not be a thing you're interested in. But uh, if you go to patreon.com slash mapping, you can uh, help support the shows that we do, um, including the Great Gundam Project, which you can get for $1 a month, which is me and Jackson every week talking through Gundam. Uh, we're about to start a new Gundam show called G Gundam, which is uh, as far from Star Trek as you could possibly get, probably. But uh, if you want some sci-fi, that's how we cover it, uh, through anime. Um, and thank you for all of your support, as always. People who've reached out when we said we were done and said that the, this was the podcast they liked. Um, I like it, too. I wish I had more time in my life because I would like to be able to do this, but I don't know how to make it work right now. But maybe in the future um until picard or until beyond uh we will see you i just want to say one more thing uh which is that uh one of our patron tiers is uh that you can uh, make us do episodes well still if you want to make us do an episode of star trek we still will someone has reached out to us asking for that but hasn't like got back to me confirming things uh so this is just a call if you are on that tier and you want us to do star trek we'll always do star trek for money we would love to (laughs) Uh, just wanted um, to let people know uh, that's just because we're not doing the podcast regularly doesn't mean that's not an option Anyway, until next time, we will see you out there.